Navigation ship. Navigation ship. Navigating the trials and tribulations of race, dating, travel, trauma, and healing as young conscious black women. Hey, it's Stephanie. Hey, it's Ashley. And today we will be discussing navigating white spaces um, and what it means to do that. So what has come up recently is um, I've obviously um, currently in the United States right now. And I was sort of like thinking what it means to live, um, grow up and navigate white spaces, given the fact that Every neighborhood I've lived in, um, except, nope, even in Panama, because <laughs> I was on a military base, um, every neighborhood sort of school and also my work has been majority white. Um, mm. And even when I lived in larger cities like London or Paris, they've always sort of been around a majority white space, even though those space, those two cities are very multicultural. Um, and as I get older, I'm realizing how challenging, you know, it is to be in these majority white spaces and how I've seen my energy, how I've seen the energy of white, of white people differently to my own and how the energy is different when I'm in majority spaces of people of color, um, Mm. and also how I inherently sort of shift my small or palatable to be comfortable, well, to make my, not me comfortable, but to make white people comfortable with me in those spaces. Mm. Um, So I wanted to sort of open up a question to you as, do you resonate with this feeling of kind of having to shift your energy um, Mm. to make other people, white people feel more comfortable with you? And also how do you navigate these white spaces more generally? Um, I think this is a very important uh, and timely question. <laughs> I think it's always it's always timely, I guess, because as you've articulated so well that we both move and exist and within, you know, white spaces. Um, at the moment, obviously, I've, I am at the beginning of my PhD journey and I've quite outwardly said that I'm taking a black feminist post-colonial approach <laughs> to, my, <laughs> to my PhD because I am done with having to constantly do what I, I tried to articulate before in the previous um, episode about this double consciousness thing where you have to see yourself in, the, in two ways and you mm. fully understand the mainstream view which is a very white view and you also have you also come from a completely different standpoint um, so you, you you have these two parts of you and um as I'm, I'm currently making my own reading list and conducting my literature review for my reading list. And whilst I do that, I feel, I felt so much tensions in that. Um, because I realized there was a number of texts that I didn't want to read. Um, and the reason why I didn't want to read those texts is because those texts fail to acknowledge my social position. It fails to acknowledge me as a human being. So I read words in these texts that use us, we, peoples, humans, and the us, we, peoples, humans do not include women like me, do not include mm. women of colour, uh, where they include, sometimes they include black people, but even like black males who talk about black people uh, taking a viewpoint that don't actually include black women. 
but so yeah I find it uh, you know, the initial thing to do is, oh, okay, I'm going to read these main texts because these are really important to the, you know, the, the discipline, you know, and are really important to the field, and I must really read these texts. But how about navigating from a point where I center myself first, navigating from a point where I center like my social positioning? But it's so it's so normal to center, you know, the white male perspective. Um, I say white and male and a certain class, because that's what I'm dealing with within my literatures, um, have put in that a center. And, and again, marginalizing yourself uh, by placing that as center. So yeah, I definitely, we can go a bit more further into what I'm doing now, but I definitely feel that tension to make myself smaller, to, to minimize my, my social positioning and to um, really, continue to center that framework that positions you know the white male of a certain class as the normal the, the normalized view basically as the framework and the only framework that works that works for everybody yeah I think you're right like I think it's um one thing that I mean like I'm an energy healer so one thing that I've sort of noticed the most is how my energy shifts um or what energy I am picking up from majority of white people and it's mm. I don't want to say it's their fault um because we've lived under a society that basically says that they're the dominant race or whatever you know their beauty standards are dominant their opinions are dominant so they center themselves as central to the world instead mm. of being a part of that world mm. um and it's really interesting when I am in these spaces, what I sort of pick up and notice because one thing that I do notice first is energy. Mm. And I was recently in New York and I didn't really hang out with any white people. Um, I was only um, around people of color um, and black people. And so I loved it. I felt so comfortable and safe um, in that space. Um, and now I understand why I sort of loved London or love London, Paris, these huge major sort of multicultural cities, even though London just recently checking 83% of the population um, is white. Um, yeah. But um, I lived in Tulse Hill near Brixton and even there, like I felt like there's so many people of color. So I, I honestly felt safer um, in that environment. And um, it's such a difference when I go to Clapham and I was wondering why, you know, I love Clapham. I love um, the cafes there and the food and um, even the clubs and the bars there. And I was wondering why, when I was, you know, leaving, why I felt so uncomfortable or so like had this feeling of uncomfortability, even though I really like the environment, the park, everything, but Clapham and I, and now understanding more about energy, I think because when you have a group of people who centralize themselves in the world versus mm -hmm. people like myself, who am used to playing sort of backup or are used to playing, um, um, a more like demure role where I've learned inherently learned that it's safer for me to navigate this space if I um, kind of make myself seem smaller or less mm. threatening or yeah. less you know sassy or whatever because anything that I say or do if it's given the wrong 
sort of attitude or perceived attitude, then it's seen as sassy, it's seen as negative, it's seen as like um, anger or fury. Mm. Yeah. So I've learned to sort of make myself small and more of an observer role in this sort of white world. Mm. It's so interesting to me that like feeling or being around white people has made me feel so uncomfortable now (laughs) now. majority white people has made me feel so uncomfortable now because I'm like I don't want to be small anymore I don't want to exactly make my energy seem palatable to somebody who doesn't even know me doesn't know what where I'm coming from or what perspective I'm coming from but I've had I've gotten so used to inherently doing that Mm. it makes me feel uncomfortable being in majority white spaces um and that's how I'm navigating it it's like I'm avoiding it (laughs) because (laughs) because I don't want to feel small or want to or not feel small because I don't feel small in myself but I don't want to inherently that double consciousness thing yeah yeah code almost like code switch on energy energetically code switch so that other people can feel comfortable who don't know me who are going to who their perceptions matter more than my lived reality. Yeah, I think uh, there's so many, I've got two questions that come out from what you're saying. Um, well, the first thing that um, I want to say is that I recently was part of a seminar where we were talking about subject positions and the one that exists within the world of, you know, if of a certain identity. So for instance, I spoke about a black woman and what's the main sort of stereotypes that are associated with in dominant discourse of a black woman. You have um hypervisual, you have um exotic, you have angry black woman, you have um oh, there's so many things that I had that I had to do. It's very sexualized. There's so many different things that I had there. And when you when we move within the world, within these white spaces that have this dominant discourse of what a black woman is and what, what it means to be a black woman we are constantly having to navigate that um viewpoint of ourselves against who we know as ourselves we are, we we are all we're all different people we don't we don't we don't ascribe necessarily to those to those things that are spoken about us without you know our concern it's just like this this is what's out there in a discourse what you see in movies in in videos in how a black black woman is spoken about and we're constantly, when we're in these spaces, having to navigate that, you know, when, if someone looks at you a certain way, what are the lens in which they are seeing you? Um, and I brought up before, like in the episode, you know, a comment about, you know, you look fun or you look like a fun, you know, you look like you're a fun person. And, you know, on a, you know, on a non sort of way, on a very, you know, a way in which you don't have to look at things in certain lenses, you can maybe take that as, oh, you know, someone thinks you're, you know, you're fun, you're fun to be around and it's really nice to be in your company. But when you look at it from the standpoint of understanding that within dominant discourse, you are positioned as a black woman as being very exotic, as hypersexual, hypervisualized, this fun has so many different connotations attached to it. And later on, I realized that's the viewpoint that that person was, was looking at me at. And you constantly having to move around and within that. I remember also when I was in the Netherlands and they have Black Pete, <laughs> which is basically black facing. Um, mm. And it's a character where a person is a white person, black faces themselves and put wet lipstick on and an Afro wig. And I'm navigating within that space and I often wear wet lipstick for two point, point reasons, because I absolutely love red lipstick. And number two, because someone told me you don't need to wear red lips because your lips are big enough already. <laughs> so I was like, 
my so, god yes yes so I was like screw you I like wearing wow. lipstick and I'm gonna wear it no matter what you know so I'm going around within this uh, in the southern Netherlands during a time where people are black facing and I'm realizing that children are looking at me <laughs> thinking maybe I'm, am I black peach you know so you're not really free oh yes <laughs> you're not really free to be to be yourself completely in these spaces because you're constantly having mm. to navigate the lens of which that dominant society has viewed you or placed you and you're constantly navigating against that and it's and it's extremely um what's the word exhausting it can be take a really mm. toll on, on on your sense of self and it also makes us very resilient as well because we have to be very strong to move in those places um but the question <laughs> to you was I feel yeah. hypersensitive, you know, because I'm very conscious of all of this. And there, there was a point in my life when I wasn't conscious of any of this. Um, and I feel, how do you handle the hypersensitivity to seeing all that we see as conscious Black women as we move within the space? Or so how, how are you not? Or how are you handling that? Um, I guess I'm handling it by avoidance. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not to say that I, I mean, I'm in a very interesting place in my spiritual growth where I'm starting to come back to myself. And what I mean by that is actually come back to the present mm -hmm. um, and what I want in the present and how I want to feel comfortable in the present. Um, so I also am in an interesting position because I'm sort of like um, in my home um, my mother's home for the time being and I can isolate myself whenever I bloody fit you know like mm -hmm. which is kind of harder to do if moving back to the city um, or even sort of visiting my friends because I'm in their environment not mm -hmm. in my environment so I guess I feel like I am navigating it in, in the best way that I know possible I mean you know with all like that I'm going through with mental health physical health and even like um, spiritual health I kind of need to isolate myself that's how I heal best um, but at some point you know that won't work anymore and I will need and I will be going back to the city and I will be returning back to a probably majority white environment I think my thing is awareness. And now that I understand energy a lot more than I did before, I understand mm -hmm. that I am not the problem. I am not the issue. Whereas before I used to internalize it, like when you were talking about double consciousness, I used to internalize it and get so angry of like, why do I feel so uncomfortable all the time when I'm walking in and around earth and not realizing <laughs> that it's probably because I feel unsafe. Mm. And I feel like I have to amend my energy to fit somebody else's uh, perceived perception. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just, you know, like I understand that now. So when I get back to the city and I start sort of living in that environment again, I can sort of make changes within that space. Hanging out with if I feel uncomfortable, then I limit the time that I hang out in those spaces. Mm -hmm. um, I find more, I have an array of friends. I've always had diverse friends, but then I spend more time with those, you know, diverse friends and that makes me feel more comfortable. Um, I find people who 
it's not to say that I'm going to avoid white people. It's very difficult to do that. <laughs> um, but um, it's to say that the white people that I do hang out with be very selective of, you know, who those people are and feeling safe around those certain people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just about awareness and like, I've sort of gathered gathered that over the past couple of years and understand that very a lot more. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I can navigate it better. Yeah. What about yourself? How do you, how are you feeling about it? Um, well, I was just out yesterday and um I was in this environment where I was I was with people that I connect well with and everything. And then I then I was just seeing everything. <laughs> and I was like oh I feel really I don't know it's really difficult I feel I don't know how I'm navigating it to be honest um but I I think on one side I'm navigating in the sense that I'm learning to find my people and Mm. uh, a place where I feel in place and I think that's really important so I'm when I'm in that place I, I feel free to be myself and I'm with people who see me or who are wanting to take the time to see me. Um, but as soon as I step outside of that, it can be very violent exchanges. <laughs> it can be yeah. very violent towards me to go into, out into the world, as you say, moving along the earth and feeling like nervous for your life. You know, that's, yeah. um, that's kind of what I'm experiencing, especially the shock. I think it's quite a lot of shock. Once you find the bunch, once you feel in place and you step out of that place and you have to walk the streets, <laughs> um, you you then notice the contrast but it also goes down to like even watching movies I don't think I can even watch the same movies I watched before when I was younger imagine watching Pocahontas and I love Pocahontas yeah. and I still do love many aspects of Pocahontas but I feel like I'll be like <laughs> like stressing myself out with every word that's coming out and by the end of the movie I'd be like wanting to write an essay or something on it but I mean I feel like um there's I don't know there's there's yeah it's something that I'm currently navigating this hypersensitivity this hyper awareness um but as you say it just makes you a bit more cautious in terms of or just a bit more take more time to think about who you're actually hanging hanging out with who you're spending your time with and what it is that you're going to listen and what you're going to engage and sit yourself with it um but yeah the reality is that we are moving within spaces like we're moving within a framework that is built, you know, well, I know, especially within the UK on like, you know, a pluralistic framework, um, society that we exist within that doesn't see you, doesn't see your humanity and places you in a very marginal place. But yeah, so it's really interesting, the dynamic conversation and something that I'm having to navigate every single day. And um, these stereotypes, these uh, frameworks and these not feeling safe, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, I don't know which doesn't sound so great does it but (laughs) that's the reality I guess the I guess the one of the last things that I want to bring up is it like I recently had a I don't know realization epiphany or whatever of um, being in a majority white space and seeing that I felt so detached from that space that in fact um when I wanted to enjoy the space I kind of left <laughs> the people that I was with or tuned them out basically um mm. uh and I wonder like going forward um 
it kind of tells me just understanding that it, that experience it kind of told me that we're a lot further from equality and and equitability than i thought we were because we live in two different worlds mm. energetically and as people and and consciously i think um not to say white people are not cannot be in our world um but I think there is a difference between being central to the world and being a bystander to it. And I think a lot of times as people of color, we have to fit in this role as the bystander yeah. and then white people fit in this role as, as the center. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and I'm wondering, you know, going forward, understanding what we understand about white spaces, understanding how we feel in it, how do you see um, things changing and moving where we all can fit in the world and we're not just bystander or sort of lead lead actor in it? I don't think that's a very big question. <laughs> but, um, well, I can go back to my initial example I gave at the beginning of what I'm currently navigating and how, I, and how I'm trying to navigate my issue that I have in terms of my literature review. And, and I think that might in part see how I'm trying to answer that question um so firstly before what I was saying is that I was navigating and decentering myself within my own literature review which sounds ridiculous but that's basically what you have to do as a as a, as a marginalized group in society um and if you're in a profession that places whatever's mainstream as the center and you have to learn to know the mainstream and then do the marginalized bit on the side or do extra work to incorporate that decentering part into the mainstream but I said no I've said to myself no more of that <laughs> um I'm navigating and centering myself first which I'm centering the social the social position of black women first and using those texts that speak to me first and expanding out from that. So, and locating strength in that and centering uh, those views that have normally been marginalized. And in doing that, I am disrupting the status quo because I'm placing these texts in the center and not marginalizing myself. And I think what's really key, um, I think well, with a lot of social justice stuff is actually given the space to listen to somebody else's perspective and somebody else's point of view, because you're not, if you are in a center and you only see things from the center, and if you don't actually take the time to actually listen and be open, they have to actually be open and receptive, not everybody is, but there is people who actually want to make a change. I'm, I'm talking to people who actually want to actually do some justice here. Um, they have to be ready and receptive to listen to marginalize people's voices, to their perspectives, to, to allow a, a disruption of the status quo and allow a disruption of what, how things have always been. And I think that's a good starting point, but obviously it's a massive, massive challenge, but that's the role that I'm playing anyway for myself. Um, but yeah, how about you? What do you think? Um, yeah, I think uh, it takes well, it's not our problem. It's their problem. Um, yeah. Um, it takes uncomfortability. Like um, I said on the last episode, I've been watching New Amsterdam, which I think honestly to be, it is like one of the best shows that I've seen in modern mm. television, because first of all, it's based in New York and it actually shows people of different races, 
um, religions, backgrounds, even disabled, they have disabled representation, um, age groups, all of that. Um, and they touch on a lot of heightened issues within the United States, um, particularly around like COVID, um, around racial justice, um, around healthcare, and they really pick up on like the healthcare of, of like how Black people have been margin or marginalized within the healthcare system. Mm. One of the episodes um, was the white main doctor, the medical director, trying to navigate and fix systemic racism within his hospital. And mm. um, one of the things that he even had to realize is that he was centering what like he was trying to do stuff but all of it was him trying to do stuff and not listening to black and brown people not um giving space and holding space for them he was just mm. trying to do whatever he wanted to do so yeah. his uh his friend and colleague had to be like you are nothing more than a white liberal if you don't listen to people who are who these these policies are affecting because exactly. your own by your own centralization of yourself and this conversation that kind of has nothing to do with you like the treatment of black and brown people has nothing to do with you personally mm. um nothing to do with you, your feelings or what you you know any of that or your good intentions um and he had to kind of take a step back and realize his own role within systemic racism and I think that's a really good the way they did that episode was really good because it shows like that's how we're going to change if mm -hmm. white people stop centralizing themselves in the conversation and just sit back and play a supportive role or just you know do them but like not be it's not always about them you know, yeah. and when they're with black and brown people to just be, you know, you don't have to overcompensate with your niceness. You don't have to <laughs> overcompensate by talking too much. You can just be and not have preconceived notions and also not, again, centralize yourself. So it would have to be an, a total energy shift. Mm. And I don't know if I'm very sure, not I don't know, but I'm very sure that most the majority of white people are really not ready to do that yeah but those few who are um it's so important that supportive role is so important i mean i'm experiencing that at the moment um which is 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 a great experience because as much as i can say i want to do xyz if i don't have somebody who holds power in a supportive role to say, yeah, okay, yeah, we support you in doing that. I will be having a greater battle to be yeah. able to center myself in, in my work and what I want to do. So um, those few who are wanting to take up that challenge and to make change, that supportive role and actually taking the time to listen and you know implement things based upon that is extremely, is extremely important, I would say, yeah. yeah. Well, um, do you have anything else to add to the conversation or should we wrap up? Um, yeah, let's wrap up. Yeah, sounds good. So we wanted to ask our listeners today, how are you navigating white spaces and do you have any sort of um, advice or any sort of thing you want to share that could be helpful to navigate these 
white spaces. Um, We'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, until next time, we'll see you later. Um, And for now, bye. Bye. Any views or opinions represented in this podcast are personal and do not represent or are connected to any persons, institutions, organizations, or companies unless explicitly stated.